Welcome back to In the Margins. This is Josh Lund and Matt Fisk. Hello. And today we've got with us Katie Fisk as well. Hello. So we're excited to continue to move through the book of Mark uh, up to this point. We've we finally finished chapter one. Yeah. It only took a month. Right. Yeah. I mean, my <laughs> you know, who, who would have thought it would take so long just to get through one chapter of the Bible? But I think what we're seeing is that it's going to... It, you know, there's there's a lot that God has to say. So much, way more than I'd ever thought. And I normally like burn my way through the book of Mark and it's taken a month to get through one chapter. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's been a lot of fun. And honestly, I feel like we're just now getting to some of like the really good stuff. Like obviously everything that we've talked about has been incredible, but now we're starting to look at some of the stories that that we all know about, right? That 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 kind of are burned into our heads from the Sunday school teachings or 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 the storybooks that we watch. Yeah. Um or read. It's not Harry Potter. Um <laughs> but you know you know today we're going to get started here in chapter 2 and we're going to be reading from verse 1 all the way down to verse 17 and uh starting to get into a little bit more of an extension of what um what we talked about with Mark and Nadine Templer. And so they covered the end of chapter one, but a lot of this is going to connect to similar. Yeah. And I think if you haven't listened to that, it's amazing where Mark and Nadine talk about their experience with working with people with leprosy. Uh, so go back, I'll link it in the show notes. You can, it gets released right around the same time. So it's go back and listen to it. We're going to cover a little bit in, in, yeah. in that as well, because we're going to look at three stories, three little, I'm going to call them vignettes. Uh, little episodes that all are kind of telling one little chunk or one, one big chunk of story. And normally what we do is we separate them. And I think that Jesus is telling the same story or Mark is compiling this, telling the same story in these three vignettes. Nice. So, so uh, let's get, let's, let's dig into that if that's okay. Yeah, let's go. Great. Uh, hey, Katie, can you read um, verse four, Mark one verse 40 and we're going to read through we'll, we'll read through verse 45 right now, and then we'll, we'll make our way through. All right, verse 40. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Okay, pause right there for a second. Every time I've ever read this verse, okay, there's a there's a lesson that I get from this. It's a very, it's not wrong, but it stays at one very high level. What, what, what's the lesson that you guys typically hear with this one? Um, that Jesus is compassionate enough to touch this guy. Yeah, he's Jesus is compassionate and he's a healer. So yeah. come to Jesus with all your infirmities and all that kind of good stuff. Okay, we're going to come back to this, okay, because it all comes together. That is one level, okay? But what I want you to do is, as you're listening with us and wrestling through this with us, listen and look for similarities between this one and the second story here. Katie, can you read verses or chapter 2, verses 1 through 12? Verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. 
Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Uh, Now some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take up your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Awesome, thanks. Okay, so... Same thing with this. What's the lesson that you typically get from this? What What's the, the Sunday school lesson on this? His friends are so faithful. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. We need faithful friends, right? But you want faithful friends. Why, Katie? So that they can help me when I'm not helping myself. Absolutely. When you can't, when you can't get to where you need to get to, when you can't get to Jesus, you know, you need some faithful friends and right. look at their faith. There is nothing wrong with that Sunday school lesson. That is true. Okay. Phew. But do you guys see any similarities between this vignette and the last vignette, this story and the leper story? There seems to be a bit of proof that Jesus wants to uh, show certain people. There's proof. Yep. Like he wants there. He wants what he's able to do, and 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 really the higher level stuff of not just healing the body, but healing the soul. Mm-hmm. That that he wants to be shown to. Um, you know, at first it's the, the priests in the temple and the next it's, it's these, uh, the, the Pharisees or the teachers of the law mm-hmm. that, um, that doubt his ability or not even necessarily doubt. I mean, I think what they feel is it's, it's not bad. Like th- their response to what Jesus says is, I mean, it, it's, it's almost righteous, mm. um, for someone to say, yeah, you know, and would have been typical. Yeah, probably. But so, he wants to prove to them. Hey, yeah. That's not, it's not just words. So there's somebody that's in need trying to get to Jesus, trying to be healed, trying to be cleansed in both of these. And yet they're having a hard time reaching that area or reaching that point of I'm being healed and welcomed into it. Mm. So let's go to the third one, the third little chunk. Katie, can you read that? Verses 13 through 17. Verse 13. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked, his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Okay, cool. What's the lesson typically here? What's the Sunday school lesson? Jesus is friends with sinners. Yes. Nothing wrong with that either. I mean, like what a huge truth, right? So for us, we need to be friends of sinners as well. Anything else, Katie? Nope. It's it's not the healthy that need the doctor. It's the sick and all that kind of good stuff. Oh, yeah. I have to admit that I'm sick and I need help. Right. And nobody is 
bringing down those lessons. Those are huge, important. We need to have them. That is one level. Do you see any similarities between this third one and the other two? It's another group of people that are having a hard time getting to Jesus. Like there's some obstacle in their way and, yeah. and, um, and, and Jesus is excited um, when they kind of end up getting to him. Right, yeah. In, okay, so I see at the very end of this, um, it's, not, it's not the healthy that need the doctor, but it's the sick. What is Jesus doing in all three of these stories? Healing sick people? Yeah, like the first two. And I, I personally think that there's a chiasm here where Ooh. you get the, the, the chiasm. It would be that the, it's kind of like a ring structure uh, where the end and the beginning are paralleled. And then you look in the middle for the, for the main point of all this. But what I'm seeing here for these three things is a person or group of people that are trying to get healing and are having a hard time accessing it because they've been excluded by someone. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now, take a look at, at each each of these three. It says, going back to uh, Mark 1, verse 44, Jesus says to the leprous man, after he's healed him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for what? As a testimony to them. For a testimony for them in the ESV, what does it say? As a proof to them. So, okay, so I'm going to cleanse you. Now go show yourself to the priests because the priests are going to be the ones that actually tell you um, whether you're clean or not. Interesting. And this will be proof not to God, not to Jesus, and not even to you, but to whom? The priests, Mm -hmm. the religious leaders of the time, the keepers of the temple. Yeah. Huge. Which, which would have been, which would have been massive. Okay. Right. Like really important. That would have been the, one of the big jobs of the priest. In fact, if you, we'll we'll get into this in just a second. um, But to cleanse a leprous person, to make them ritually clean is one of the most complicated uh, rituals in all of Leviticus. Yeah. We'll go to Leviticus 14 in just a minute here. In the second little vignette, this is to me, actually, let's go to the third vignette. Okay. So if it's a chiasm, the third story, you have not a, somebody who's leprous trying to get to it, but who, who here is in need of cleansing? The tax collector. The tax collector, the tax collector and his friends, the sinners, all of that. And at this point, who is it that comes up and is like questioning Jesus's what he's doing? What are you guys seeing? The Pharisees. Right. It's mm-hmm. the it's the Pharisee. So again, a religious leader that is kind that would be keeping you out. It's almost like a proof to them that these guys would be cleaned. Yeah. Which is really interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So see so this is why I think it's a chiasm. So one is a physical cleansing, the other one is a spiritual cleansing, which is interesting. Mm. Right. And then the middle. So when you look at a chiasm, spiritual you gotta, and physical. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> we gotta look at the center of nice. this. And what happens in the center? Your sins are forgiven. Yeah. Okay. So this is crazy. Let me let me just put this out here. The way I've always looked at this is like Jesus is preaching, teaching in this house, and it's packed. Standing room only in this house. And so like, okay, well, this guy needs to get healed and needs to be brought in and and, and all that kind of stuff. And oh, well, there's no room. So we just gotta make our way in it, whatever we can. Let's be, let's have chutzpah. Let's let's be shamelessly audacious. But now here's my question. Why was that necessary? 
Because the people wouldn't let them in. Yeah. Can you imagine that just for a second? Jesus is preaching and then you see a dude who's clearly paralyzed being carried by four other guys to come into Jesus. And you know that Jesus is a healer. That's one of his claims to fame, that Jesus can heal people from their maladies. And this entire crowd of people, they take one look at him and this little scene. And what do they do? They don't budge. They don't. I I can't believe that. I can't believe I've never thought of that before. Why is that? I mean, I think they they want their spot. They want their spot in line. Mm -hmm. They want to be close. They're thinking about their own comfort and what what they want from Jesus. Absolutely. Okay, I'm going to take that. So you're all with. I hope you're tracking with me here. Let's go to Leviticus 14. I want to point out an attitude that people would have had in the Jewish world in the first century towards these kinds of people. Mm. Okay, I'm going to actually change that. It's uh, We're going to do Leviticus 21. I encourage you guys to go back and look at Leviticus 14 yourself. It is the most complicated ritual in order to get yourself cleansed of leprosy and other skin disease. You have to like shave your head and shave all of your body uh, like several times and then be outside for eight days and then offer different sacrifice. It's, it's a lot. It's crazy. We're not going to get into all of that, but we're going to take a look here in Leviticus chapter 21. And this is interesting for our entire section of text. Um, hey, Josh, can you read verses 16 through 23? This is going to be a little bit of Leviticus-y like law language, but stick with us. There's something, there's something really big in here. Cool. Verse 16 in Leviticus 21. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron, saying, None of your offspring throughout their generations who has a blemish may approach to offer the bread of his God. For no one who has a blemish shall draw near a man blind or lame. Lame meaning can't walk. Not not cool. Yeah, definitely not not cool. Okay. Well, not not cool people shouldn't draw. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> a man blind or lame, or one who has a mutilated face or a limb too long, or a man who has an injured foot or an injured hand or a hunchback or a dwarf or a man with a defect in his sight or an itching disease or scabs or crushed testicles. No man of the offspring of Aaron, the priest, who has a blemish shall come near to offer the Lord's food offerings. Since he has a blemish, he shall not come near to offer the bread of his God. He may eat the bread of his God, both of the most holy and of the holy things, but he shall not go through the veil or approach the altar because he has a blemish that he may not profane my sanctuary. Pause real quick. So this entire segment of text in Leviticus 21 is saying what? Keep the messed up people away. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Away. If you are defected away, 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 this would have been the mindset and the attitude towards these people. So it's no wonder everyone was like, I'm not going to touch the leprous person because you keep them away. They got a defect. Keep that lame dude away. Because he's got a defect. Now it ends up going further than all that. But check this out. So all of that don't come near. But Josh, how does this entire segment of text finish? It says, keep them away that he may not profane my sanctuaries, for I am the Lord who sanctifies them. Boom. Okay. Here's what I think. I think they forgot this last part. Right, yeah. If you see, like they did such a good job at embodying this part, the, the the first part about keep them away, keep them away. They got blemish, they got blemish, they got blemish. And the last part is for I am the Lord who sanctifies them. Now, if we go back to Mark, 
This is incredible to see the way that Jesus fulfills this passage, really lives it out. That yes, they may not have been able to come into the temple, but that is a very different place to be than you are not allowed to draw near to God. Yeah. And in the very middle of this chiasm comes not just a physical healing, as they lower this man who has been kept out of the healing presence of Jesus, what happens? He says in verse five, when Jesus saw their faith, he says to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. Mm. And then what does he do just to, on top of everything? He also heals him physically too. But the middle of this is not a Jesus is healer. Of course he is. And that's incredible. But the middle of this chiasm, middle of this whole thing, you have the Pharisees asking, well, why do you speak like that? You're blaspheming. Who can forgive God or who can forgive but God mm-hmm. and all these things. And like Katie, you were saying, this is a spiritual healing and a physical healing. Yeah. And I think the real question we have to ask is just like the priests were keeping out the leprous man, just like the crowd was keeping out this a lame man and his friends. And just like the Pharisees in the last part were keeping away the tax collectors and the sinners, these are all people that are being excluded, but Jesus is going to them. They are being falsely excluded. Mm. And so the question for us has to be, all right, so who have I falsely excluded? What is my attitude towards people that I, there's an us versus them mentality that there's a, each one of these is there's a, those people and it doesn't, Jesus isn't there for, or, or we, we, we have this mindset, God doesn't care about those people or that they are too far gone. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is how much of my life has been built around an us versus or a me versus them mentality. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think what has stood out to me recently as I've been reading through this um, that hasn't really stood out to me before is not only that Jesus goes and has dinner with tax collectors and sinners, but even Matthew's attitude towards his friends um, that were tax collectors and sinners in that as soon as Matthew is met by Jesus and asked to follow him. He's he goes to all his sinner buddies and he's like, come to my house, have dinner. Let's all get together. And I think about how as I've studied the Bible with people and I've taught people how to become Christians, often I have made so many mistakes and taught them, yeah, you need to cut off these sinner people in your life who are affecting you and who are causing you to sin rather than teaching them how to actually include them like Matthew did, like Jesus Mm. did. And bring Jesus to them. Yeah. Wow. And of course, I'm not saying like go out to parties and clubs and, you know, try to show them Jesus there. I mean, Matthew created a very, you know, a, a very, uh, I guess, holy or, you know, normal setting. He, he just had them over for dinner. It wasn't like there was an orgy or something going on there. But it just really, really it inspires me but also convicts me that the first thing he did was go to all his sinner buddies yeah, and bring yeah. them to Jesus rather than cut them off or be like Ooh, oh no like I have to distance myself and I have to be really careful because I'm trying to be holy and righteous now so that just really got me well something that stands out I'm glad you brought that up I think that's really cool I think that's really cool because um we actually see this in all three of these pericopes or vignettes 
Um, when we see this most clearly here with him, um, you know, obviously he invites his friends over, you know, otherwise they, you know, wouldn't have known to come. Mm -hmm. But in, in kind of what you said was this idea of instead of being worried that his friends will mess him up, he's excited to help his friends. Right. And we see this in the story right before, right? Yeah. Like how does this paralyzed guy get to Jesus? His friends. Well, it's his friends, right? It's his friend's faith that uh, that ends up kind of helping him and all this kind of stuff. But we see this, I think, really cool in the story of the leper where it's not Jesus being afraid of being made unclean. Yeah. But it's Jesus touching the leper because he's instead focusing on making what's unclean clean. Right, mm. exactly. You know, and Matthew's yeah. not, hey, I'm not I'm not worried about all my sinner but and same with Jesus. I'm not worried about hanging out with the yeah. the sinners. Yeah. I'm not I, in, in fact, I'm what I'm more focused on is cleaning up, yeah. you know, that that kind of stuff and I think that's um I mean, it's 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 all throughout here. For it is the Lord who sanctifies them. Yeah. It is God who cleans them up. Yeah. So yeah, I just I I love this idea that you know, it's it's not about being worried about getting dirty, but it's being focused on cleaning. Yeah, and I, I think we have to, okay, for me, when I look at this, in order to bring it to my real life, I have to identify the us or the me's that I'm part of and the them's that I've made. Mm. And for me personally, I, as I've been reflecting on this, I, I, I'm really... I'm ashamed and I'm convicted of how many thems I create. Mm. Like I create thems out of people that don't, that don't believe the same doctrinal things that I do. Mm. Um, I, I definitely, a them is the evangelical world. A them is the mainstream Christianity. Yeah. People that have less commitment to me, even within the church that I'm part of, there's a them of people that are less committed yeah. than I am. People that read their Bible less often. Or, yeah. uh, or, 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 or in fewer, you know, Bible study, uh, evangelism things yeah. than I am. Um, I create thems out of people that are not religious at all. Like the, 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 those, the degenerates of, of people that are completely godless. And, um, I create thems out of personally for me, I have a big them on, on the, the very wealthy, like the mm. 1%. Yeah. Um, I have a big, uh, them against, yeah, like certain certain age populations, like yeah. older people that just don't get it. And, and, uh, so many thems. Yeah. And what it, what it does is instead of making my heart to be more compassionate towards people, towards yeah. them, I have the Pharisee mindset of, you know what, I'm not going to have anything to do with them. Whereas Jesus sees all of these people and they're like, I need to go to them to make them clean. Yeah. So I think that what makes me do is, is instead of wanting to be close friends or close connected with these people to live my life with people that are super different than me and, and I created them and basically go, well, when you can share my values enough, when you can act like this, then we can talk about being friends. Yeah. And I, I'm just like, that is not how Jesus did it at all from yeah. these passages. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, this whole conversation is, um, it's pulling out things that I, I feel uncomfortable, um, yeah. you know, thinking about because I've gotten this, you know, bubble of, of, of comfort around me of people that I relate to, of people that um, they don't they don't challenge me to bring them to God. Uh, if that makes sense. Like it's people, I don't have to worry about their spiritual well-being. I don't have to, you know, it's people that are on the same playing field uh, as me and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. We're, we're already one together. We're already like, we, we assume that we've got that right. in common. Yeah. 
And this calls me to break out of the me's. It, it calls me to break out of the people that are like me, mm. um, you know, in, in good ways and bad ways. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think what challenges me the most here is exactly what's at the end of Leviticus chapter 21, where it says it is the Lord who sanctifies. And the fact that, you know, it's what's, what we're really being challenged to do is bring God into the picture. Yeah. And um, it's the people that, that I, I, I feel like, you know, a lot of the people that you said are the thems that I almost feel like I don't, I don't want to do that. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that gets scary because, mm-hmm. oh, well, maybe there's a reason, you know, um, God's not a part of their life. Like I think he should be. Right. Um, and, and, and things like that. And I, I just think of different people that, um, yeah. And if I brought them into my life and this community, that is on the same page, what would that do to our community? Right. Like, would they water it down? Would people associate us with them instead of having compassion of like, you know, how could God put them back together? And maybe just maybe we need them too, in Mm. order to complete this community. Yeah. What if it's not possible to have a community of God without the people on the fringes, without the people that are on the margins or that are on the margins? Like what, what if that's the case? Yeah. Then I've got a lot of things to think through. Yeah. One, one, or a couple last things I, I just want to point out, uh, you know, that word there, it's the Lord who sanctifies them. It's used throughout Leviticus quite a bit. Um, and, you know, it's what's really cool is that every time it's used, it's this idea of consecrating something to God, hmm. right? It's like it's setting something apart for God. And a lot of times it's the idea of sprinkling the blood on the altar, sprinkling the blood. I mean, it's, it's mm. literally to cleanse something yeah. of, uh, you know, through sacrifice or through whatever. And like almost how lucky are the people who are sanctified by God rather than right. going to the temple and, mm. and, and going through all the procedures and things like that. And it's just, I, I get it so twisted that, you know, I think we're the ones who have it all figured out. Again, it's the the we, um, you know, and 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 I put these other people on the outside when it's like, holy cow, these are the ones that are really closer to God. I mean, they've got God working in their lives in a way that when I start to get that mindset, um, it, it's it's further. Yeah. If anything, it, it, what I get from this is it's got to shift from me or we versus them to we. And them, yeah. us and them, me and them, them too. Yes, them too. Yes, the gay LGBTQ population. Yes, them too. The transgender people. Yes, them too. And the Democrats, the liberals. Yes, them too. And the Republican conservatives, alt right people. Yes, them too. And everywhere in between the rich and the poor. And I'm like, do I have the heart for that? The bandwidth for that? This is leading us to places that only Jesus can lead us to. Yeah. Really cool. There's a lot here. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing more uh, about it. Um, one last thing I think is just interesting here is, uh, you know, we see all these stories. And we're going to see this throughout Mark um, a little bit more. But it's the idea that Mark likes to put things together. And it shows us that Mark wasn't focused on the chronology of his story. It, you know, he was really focused on putting these ideas together to paint this incredible picture of who Jesus was and who he's supposed to be to us. So um, look forward to seeing more of this as we go through the book of Mark with you guys. Yeah. So uh, that's going to do it for today on In the Margins. I'm Matt Fisk for Josh Lund and my wife, Katie Fisk. Uh, check us out at uh, Nova Church 
dot academy or no nvcoc dot church um you can find our links there there's a lot more on the website more podcasts coming and uh, check us back next time and we'll see you later and one more thing is there is also if you want a little bit more or even hear the sermon that's going to go along with this you can find that on the nvcoc dot church website um that will be uploaded as well so um yeah thanks for joining us we'll see you next time